Hello and welcome to Developing the Leader Within Podcast, an award-winning podcast where I interview the top players in the leadership arena and we dissect leadership, management, and career development from all angles. My name is Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez and I use my more than 20 years of experience in leadership development to dig deep into complex issues and bring you the answers you were looking for. If a topic resonates with you and you would like to explore how to overcome it, reach out to me at calendly.com backslash triad leadership solutions to discuss ways to succeed. Welcome back to another episode. We are continuing our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month, and we are in Virginia today and speaking with Dr. Jose More. Dr. Jose More is called the first intergalactic doctor. That's very interesting. Is an Eisenhower Fellow, Chief Medical Innovation Officer for Liberty Biosecurity, CEO and founder of Ad Astra Media, LLC. He's a member of the Forbes Technology Council and co-author of Latinx Big Business Success, which we will be talking about here not too long in our conversation. But before we get into that, Jose, welcome to the show. Gracias, Enrique. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Outstanding. We're going to be talking about leadership and Latinx, obviously based off the, the book and a topic that has been discussed here in the last, uh, you know, several handful of days, uh, whether people uh, like Latinx or they just like Hispanic or they like Latino, a, a, a big discussion in, in and around that. Uh, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. I uh, appreciate it. So <clears throat> my background, I'm, I was born in Caguas, Puerto Rico, technically Rio Piedras. I grew up in Caguas. Uh, in a small neighborhood called El Belde. Uh, for anyone that's from Caguas, we live really close to the baseball park. Um, and then I, I left the island when I was very young. Um, left the island before I was 10. Um, I would come back always to visit uh, mi abuelita that, and mi abuelo that lived there. Um, I lived with them for a large part of my youth. Um, you know, mom would work, dad would work kind of thing. Uh, dad's from Dominican Republic. Um, and then after we left uh, Puerto Rico, I grew up in Central Florida, um, and then I did all my my schooling in uh, Tampa. I uh, went to undergrad med school down in Tampa. Uh, then I did all my postdoc up in the Northeast. I went to Hopkins. Uh, then I went to North Shore uh, Staten Island Hospital for my residency, um, and then I finished up at uh, University of Pennsylvania, uh, where I I did a, a kind of a combined. I apologize for that. Combined uh, fellowship in um, musculoskeletal radiology, as well as that's where I started really learning a lot about machine learning and artificial intelligence, which kind of drove my career away from purely clinical medicine um, into technology. And that's how my career evolved in tech and entrepreneurship and kind of where I'm sitting now talking to you about. Well, that's a, a, a real diverse background. I, I love how you bridge the medical side to AI and machine learning. I have a small background in that and, and very interesting to see how medical is, is getting expounded on through those uh, ad, avenues and mediums. Now, your, your, your upbringing is similar to mine, small part in Puerto Rico, went back to, uh, we actually was, I was raised in the Bronx, New York, 
and did that whole thing, go visit the abuelita, you know, and, and, and things like that. Uh, and my abuelo, uh, until they, uh, you know, recently uh, passed not so long ago. But um, it's amazing how, uh, you know, we are born into a thing, but we can do something else. And, you know, had uh, fate had the same uh lot with me as growing up i probably still be in puerto rico doing not much of anything but we're offered a lot of opportunities and when we talk about those opportunities uh that were offered to you uh but how was it growing up hispanic latino uh and before you get into all the uh, trajectory of your uh, business side uh it was it was complex. And um, you're mentioning like the term Latinx and how people, whether people like it or don't like it kind of thing. But I feel, you know, Latinos that are, that are come to the United States and are kind of raised in American culture uh, with a mixture of their family culture, wherever their family is, you know, whether for Central or South America, for the Caribbean, um, the generations, it's, it's an amalgamation, right? You have this this strange mixture of your Latino heritage or wherever it's from. Dad's Dominican, mom's Puerto Rican, but I, I grew up in, in Puerto Rico. Um, and then, you know, and then the society around you. Uh, so you end up being a bit a bit of a mix um, of, you know, the society around you and also your your own Latino heritage. So I think that's, that's true for most of us, right? And then you get a flavor of wherever you're from, like you grew up uh, after Puerto Rico and the Bronx, you get the flavor of the Bronx in New York. I grew up in Central Florida, um, so yeah, I get that flavor of of the Latinos that are in Central Florida, which are obviously a lot of Puerto Ricanos now, especially after Maria. But there was a lot of Puerto Ricanos at that time as well. But I grew up in um, in you know very suburban kind of um, Central Florida realms, and I was one of the only handful of Latinos that went to. Um, my school where I went to school um, and so it was it was a mixed bag um, you know you were there was always this kind of accepted racism in a way uh, from from kids and from the from kind of the people around you uh, I feel like kids are usually a little bit more open with these kinds of things they kind of you know they they take things from family they take things from their culture so you would hear kind of derogatory terms and stuff towards uh hispanics and obviously they lump all hispanics in together there's no there's no nuance or granularity as to uh where you're from um and being one of the few latinos in the area you kind of learn to accept it or to kind of take it in as this is just the way the world is kind of thing um but so it was so it was it was a mix because and that was one of the reasons mom was very adamant about um only speaking spanish at home um making sure i always went back every summer to spend time in puerto rico with with the family to make sure i i didn't lose um lo que es el, ser puertorriqueño. so I, not to lose that kind of core of who i was um and who we all were um so yeah so there was no english in the house that we always spoke spanish in the house um but as and then as kids got to know me, as I kept growing up and kids wanted to be with us um, or getting starting to get to know my family and my background and, and my Latino roots, um, there's a, a certain flavor and life to being Latino, specifically Puerto Rican, um, that is it's intoxicating. 
Um, and it's something that it tends once you experience that's why when people go to Puerto Rico I always tell them go like everyone falls in love with the island and yes the island is physically beautiful but the, um, it's not just you know the 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 foliage and the flora it's really about the people about the the energy that's there um, the the love the the zest for life that's there and you and you can see it and you in our food, you can see it in our architecture, you can see it in our colors, you can see it in our music, um, you can see it in the way people just enjoy life. Um, and when people from school in Central Florida that weren't from Latino background started, you know, becoming part of and seeing our own life at home, they wanted to be more a part of that. Like my as I was growing up, my house eventually became the house everyone wanted to go to on the weekends, right? Um, everyone wanted to have mi abuela or my mom cook for us. Everyone wanted to experience the parties at our house um, because it's very different than what you get in, you know, your prototypical kind of um, Americana or American concept of of um, of parties and kind of experiencing life. So, um Overall, I had a wonderful childhood. I, had, I was very loved. Um, you know, my we transitioned from being uh, low income to middle income um, when, my, when my dad came from the island to to Central Florida. Um, so I never felt like I was missing anything, uh, even if I if I didn't have like the latest toy or whatever. Um, so that that was that was nice. I never and you never realized your socioeconomic status. You just assumed you had everything you needed because you were loved and because you were fed and everything was great. So uh, no complaints whatsoever. Yeah, you bring up a good point in terms of uh, how the Hispanic household is molded. You know, I, I was the same, you know, even when I was in Puerto Rico and I and I knew we had dirt floors or I knew that the, the floor was just just a plain piece of wood. <laughs> it was it was whatever they laid on the on the foundation. That's the floor you had. Uh, but yet and still, I never once uh, even thought, oh, I don't have or oh, I don't. Uh, they 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 made sure that you had uh, love and support and family. Family's big. Right. So you you saw a lot of uncles and aunts and 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 cousins and so there was never a time where you had uh wow uh, i don't have this because i see johnny or jose or or maria with uh with a different thing that i don't have uh we were we were always uh taken care of with the important things in life uh and so we never saw the lack either now, when you, you you mentioned the zest and the flavor, and you just reminded me of my, <laughs> we was downstairs not too long ago, and we was having a typical, you know, Puerto Rican dinner, and my uh, and my son looks at me, and he's chowing down, and I look at him, and I'm chowing down, and I was like, thank God I'm Puerto Rican, <laughs> you know, because the food, the food is just so flavorful. And so is the life uh, you mentioned the island. So is the life in as we grow up and we bring a different type of flavor a, as we uh, integrate with our community. Now, you had this track. Uh, uh, you never saw the lack. You saw an increase in your status financially, you know, as a household. And you start going your way. Right. You 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 start with your college and 
And you mentioned just a handful. That's another topic, right? Just a handful of, of Latinos in, in a particular uh, job field. Um, but what was your journey like in, as an, uh, in the entrepreneurial world? Uh, because we don't see that many Hispanic going down the entrepreneur route. Uh, you don't. Um, and it's, it's a problem. Uh, it's a problem because we need to grow. And you have this problem with many underserved communities or BIPOC communities uh, where you don't have this progression or this growth in generational wealth. Um, and then that means that future generations um, start off um, kind of handcuffed when it comes to wealth generation um, and being able to progress up through socioeconomic levels. Um, and you see that all the way through. And that's one of the reasons actually I started at Astra Media. And one of the reasons, you know, I partnered with uh, Frank on the book uh, is because we need to we need to be role modeling, especially in entrepreneurship. Um, I'm obviously a, a big proponent of role modeling within STEM and STEAM, uh, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, uh, because th that's really how you can create vast amounts of generational wealth. There's, uh, there's, there used to be that old concept of you need to buy a house, and yes, home ownership and land ownership is still a very um, popular and very um, palatable way to grow generational wealth, especially for really anyone at any status. Um, but if we want to start generating the types of wealth that you're seeing, you know, at the top echelons um, in, in different aspects, then we need to be encouraging our kids and creating a pipeline of kids that are going into um, the sciences, the techs and going into entrepreneurship um, and bringing unique Latino perspectives to that, because <clears throat> we bring um, unique outlooks. This is why. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion is so important because when you have a diverse perspective and a diverse team that comes from diverse backgrounds, that comes from diverse cultures, then they're going to look at a problem and come come at it from a different perspective um, than people that come from another culture or another kind of uh, background. And when you put all those people together, that's when you have true innovation because everyone kind of adds a little bit of flavor from where they're coming from. Um, but you don't see a lot of Latinos going into tech and entrepreneurship. And then that gets worse as you go up, even in, in, uh, corporate world. Um, you know, if we don't have a lot of tech representation at entry levels, um, then you're not going to be able to see you know, that representation at the board level or at the C-suite level. So the, that percentages, um, are abysmal and they keep going down and down and down and you um you have great reports from lcda from lcd from high tech um showing the lack of representation from latinos um and the c-suite level and at the board level and that's because we don't have a pipeline if you don't have entry level representation then of course you're going to have a lower percentage like an abysmal percentage as you get higher up through through different corporations so it's an issue and it's an issue that we need to fix in multiple ways. One is like things with Latinx business success is telling our stories, telling the stories of Latinos that are out there that are being successful in various industries. And we're killing it. And you you see it in a lot of industries. We are, we have a lot of success. But the problem is that we're not very good about marketing ourselves as individuals. And we're not very good at marketing ourselves as a culture and as a group, as, as a block of people and so we need to do better about telling our stories and in reality if we don't tell our stories who will so we need to be out there we need to be supporting each other um and we need also to understand that 
we need to build all of us up. Sometimes there's this, uh, oh, los puertorriqueños no quieren bregar con los dominicanos, dominicanos no quieren bregar con los cubanos, um, and that's an issue. Like, we, we sometimes we get into tribes and we can't have that mentality. If we're going to move forward, we have to see all of ourselves as one people. And yes, we're not monolithic, but we have to understand that there is um, this similar vein that comes from being Latino, regardless of where you grew up. Um, and and we need to support each other. So that's that's the big thing that I, that I find. And you talk about in entrepreneurship, one of the things in entrepreneurship um, that you struggle with is access to capital. Um, and so having access to capital sometimes can be uh, difficult and very challenging because the uh, you see it in the numbers, uh, Latinos and Latinas. Latinas is always worse. Any number I say for Latinas specifically, it's always worse than for Latinos. Um, that the the numbers of percentages and the access to available capital for or to be able to start a company um, is very low if you look at who actually gets uh, capital. And it's not because of lack of talent, it's because of lack of opportunity. Um, for the most part, it's harder for us to understand how the processes work for venture capital or private equity. Uh, where can we go? Uh, there's racism and bias um, towards uh, the Latino community, towards other BIPOC communities that don't allow us to be able to, once, if we get into the room, there's these assumptions are automatically made that, oh, um, you don't know what you're doing or you're less professional than your um, white counterparts. So this, it's it's a problem. And then the issue, then you start seeing that we, then we will go on and create our own kind of uh, places for equity. Um, but the problem is that there's just a small amount of those. So those get used up very quickly because um, compared to uh, other demographics, we don't have the ability to be able to, uh, we don't have the access to greater capital to be able to pull in LPs and pull in um, big investors to create these huge multi-billion dollar funds. Um, so showing representation, uh, creating mentorship, creating a pipeline uh, of Latino kids uh, that will go into tech, go into entrepreneurship, um, is one of the, the things that we're trying to do. And as leaders, we have to do. We have to tell our own stories. We have to do better about mentorship. We have to do better uh, about leading future generations and nurturing those generations. Uh, and then we have to understand that as we succeed and as we succeed, whether it's in our own entrepreneurship endeavors, whether it's in the corporate world, and we get to those higher levels of success, that we have to come back down and help other people go up. Um, some people talk about the push-pull, right? Pulling people up with uh, as you go up the ladder. I think an, uh, another really great example that I've heard that I love is uh, the old school elevator men, the people that used to be on the elevators and work the elevators. I think uh, bellhops or bellboys may have been another terminology for, for some of them, where they would take people up to their to their floor, whatever they were going to in the in the department store, in the hotel, but they would always go back down to the bottom floor and pick more people up and then go back up. Um, and that's kind of like the mentality that we need to have that yes, we succeed and we get to where we need to get to, but then once we do, we have a greater responsibility um, because we don't have that pipeline uh, to go back down to the beginning and start over. Um, it's a lot of work, it's tiring, but it has to be done. Yeah, I love the mentality around ensuring that there is a way, you know, for 
you know, and if you're trucking that way, you might as well make the wedge, right? Uh, leave enough um, impact on the ground where people can follow or at least make sure that that path is clear so that others can uh, attain the same heights that you did. Um, that, that is a sign of true leadership when you when you talk about uh, making sure that, you know, not just the fact that there be a Hispanic or Latino in the room, because if they don't deserve to be there, they don't deserve to be there. But if they do deserve it and they do meet all the qualifications and they and they are able to not only uh, execute, but impact, then make way for them, make way for them so that they can be there. Now, you 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 briefly talked about leadership. Um, How did being Hispanic or Latino influence uh, the way you execute leadership or your leadership style? Um, I think the, the thing that we tend to bring to the table in general um, is the fact that we have a greater sense of community. And I think this comes from us growing up with, you know, our community. When I grew up in Puerto Rico, it wasn't just, yeah, Abuela was the matriarch, right? Everyone revolved around Abuela, but but you see neighborhoods, like everyone in the neighborhood always took care of everyone, right? If you were walking down um, the the street, you know, all your neighbors knew who you were and all the neighbors took a communal representation of taking care of one another, of taking care of the kids. And as you grew up, it was the same thing. There's this communal perspective on the world um, that everyone is there to kind of help everyone. Abuela, um used to have a, a saying, si uno come, todo podemos comer. And so if one can eat, we can, we can all eat. So it's all about sharing what we have, sharing the wealth of what we have, and making sure that we're all part of it. I remember walking down the street, and I'm obviously very light-skinned uh, compared to the rest of my family. It's always lightest skin in my family. Um, so you, uh, in the neighborhood, they always call me Blanquito, Blanco, Incho. Um, so it, whenever I was walking down, yeah, I could hear from one neighbor's house, Blanco, when I got, Blanco, when I got, you know, and so everyone always took care of me. It was always this communal perspective. And that same perspective, that same communal spirit, I think, is what we take to wherever we work, where it's all about, we're all, if we're all going to succeed, we're all going to succeed together. Um, it's this concept um, that, that people, some people call it team mentality, but it's internal to us where we are, we worry about um, our fellow coworkers. We worry about you know, their daily lives. We worry about their families. We worry about how they're doing at home. There's this greater sense for people's physical health, for people's mental health. It's not just about the job and about executing. Yes, that will get done and that needs to be done if you if you work in a capitalistic society and you have, you know, metrics to meet. But we know that that's not the end all, that there are things that go beyond just pure metrics, um, that go beyond just uh, zeros and ones on a piece of paper. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with people that have real lives, that have complex lives, that have loves, that have dislikes, that have issues at home. And I think that's something that we always bring to the table, that it's really about who this person is beyond just what their uh, physical ability is or mental ability is for the for the company or for the project. It's really about them first as an individual and as a person. And if you truly care and you truly pour into other people, people will you'll you'll pull the best out of people. Um, and that's I think that's one of the things that we we bring to the table that 
that many other people don't because of just our particular way of how we were brought up and how um, we've always been taking care of everyone around us. Um, so that's, I think, one of the greatest strengths that I tend to bring to the table. Yeah, very powerful. And, and, and I agree, you know, that diverse way of thinking, that communal way of thinking, um, that way of thinking of the person as a entity, right? So, you know, solely them. What about them? Um, you know, what makes them uh, definitely draws us nearer to those that are following and those we have the blessing of uh, leading. Um, what out of, and, and you've shared a lot of things that make uh, Hispanics, you know, different or Latinos li different from those that are around them. Um, what uh, sort of attribute you think that you growing up, uh, you you gathered and brought to leadership that was different from the rest of the leaders? Um, well, I think the communal spirit is definitely one. Uh, the other one is we talked about how there's the zest for life. Um, just if you're going to be doing something, then you should be doing something that you love um, and you should really have your whole your whole heart and soul in what you're doing, because you know, this, the, the opportunity to be alive is, is a blessing and not, and you have to, if you're going to be living in this world, you might as well be actually living in this world um, and not just kind of existing. Um, and if you're going to, if you're at a party, enjoy that party. If you're at work, enjoy that work. If you're with people, enjoy them. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's something that I've always brought to the table. Um, and it's not everyone's cup of tea, though. And that's the other thing we have to understand. Like some people take it and like, oh, it's, it's a little intense or that's a little too much. But in my perspective, if you're not here to live, then why are you here? Like live like my grandmother, um, she always was ready to, to do anything with anyone at, at, at a moment's notice. Uh, she was always the life of the party. Uh, she always wanted to have new experiences. She always wanted to go to go out, and that's I think that's one of the things that I I bring from my my Latino culture um, is the zest for whatever I'm doing. Um, and we have to understand that that's not going to be not everyone's going to understand that, and not everyone's going to accept that. And some people are going to even be offended by that. Um, but realistically, it's a strength, and we need to lean into it. Um, and again, you see it in our food. You see it in our and our music, you see it in our arts, um, and with something that when we bring to the table in the business world or in the entrepreneurial world, uh, it's something that allows us to succeed because it's something that's unique to us. And I, I love that, uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm envisioning, I, I love to cook, right? That's, that's my thing. And I, I go downstairs and I throw down. But, <laughs> you know, when I open the cupboard, it's condiments, right? I'm looking yes. at condiments. It's just like looking at people. Um, but each one has his thing to do, right? I'm not going to add pepper where pepper's not needed. I'm not going right. to add, you know, and I got this big old jar of, of adobo, right? The, the biggest one I could find because we're always using it. But it doesn't call for that all the time. And so right. as leaders, we need to understand that just because you may not like pepper. Doesn't mean that you're down the road. You may not need it. Right. And so right. learn how to look at folks for their attributes and what they bring uh, and don't deny them the opportunity to add flavor to your recipe because 
you know, we're talking about food and things, but it's, it's like, it's life. And if yeah. you cut something out and you don't give it the way it's supposed to be, uh, or the opportunity that it, that it should have, you may lose out in the long run as a leader. If you don't know, learn how to, uh, you know, kind of bring folks to their strength and in a group setting so that you can take full advantage of the flavor that they bring. And I, I love the, the, the flavor thing of, of being Hispanic because we do, we, Hey, it doesn't have, you don't have to be the loudest, but you sure are going to have music, food and laughter, joy, a lot of love and, uh, and community is uh, our strength. Now, as you were going, uh, you know, through your, uh, you know, etapas of greatness, right? The, those, uh, you know, finishing college, you know, I don't know how many uh, folks in your family were able to do that. that. Not that many in mine, you know, I'm one of not that many uh, that was able to do that, you know, be, be getting to be doctor, uh, uh, doing the entrepreneur thing. As you were going through these stages in life, in your life, and uh, as a leader, entrepreneur, business person, how did you feel uh, being Hispanic and being able to do that? I think, well, two, two things. One, I think uh, being entrepreneurial in retrospect is something that I found it's very much within our community, very much Latino. I mean, between my mom and my grandma and everyone, everyone always um always had a hustle i always was started we're, we're trying there were small entrepreneurs and we have that all over in our communities where people have you know small shops or uh, they'll do things from their own home they've always had that entrepreneurial spirit i think it's actually imbued in us more so than i think in a lot of other cultures uh and you've always seen it like whether someone is just making you know from their house right and they'll, and they'll sell them to events or you know to for parties you know you always knew someone um that either did like little cakes or a little whatever rice or whatever um so there was always that going on or or they did you know they were a, a handyman on the side or they would do some car stuff on the side um or they it was always there it was always there it's and that's why it's so intoxicating and it's such a part of us um and i believe from i get things from both sides of my mom and my dad and i think from my dad i think one of the greatest strengths i bring is he was always such a people person he was very able to always read a room very quickly and kind of analyze how people were um and he was very i was every time dad speaks especially about how how he viewed business and how he managed people you know i got that very much from him and i always listened to him but my entrepreneurial spirit really came from my mom um, my mom was always having a business that she was always starting or always involved with uh, she was always looking to how she could kind of push things or experiment uh, with things and she got that from her mom from mi abuela um and Abuela was always trying to see how she could learn and how she could do something new uh, and do things on her own. And I, I use the example of how that constant perpetual learning leads to a state of innovation and an entrepreneurship just innately um, and kind of an avatar that I speak with, uh, speak about in a lot of my uh, like TED talks or keynote talks um, is Leonardo da Vinci and how 
how he was such an innovator and an entrepreneur because he was constantly learning and how learning in one industry or in one skill set made him better in another one. So he was a really great artist, but he was a really great artist because he was also a really great engineer. But he was a really great engineer because he was also a really great artist. So as he kept learning different skill sets, that allowed him to become more innovative and um, and entrepreneurial. Now, what was it like me as a Latino into the space? At the beginning, when you're the first, and you, like you talked about being one of a few or or whatnot, um, it's you feel a sense of pride, right? And your family feels a sense of pride. Um, definitely when I went to medical school, my, um, and graduated medical school, that was a huge, um, success for the whole family. You know, the whole family had, um, was weighing in and there's a big push and everyone was, uh, trying to support and make sure like my, my grandfather didn't see me graduate from med school. He died of, of pancreatic cancer, but when he was in, when he was sick, his, the one thing he always wanted, he was trying to see me graduate from med school. That was kind of what was pushing him. Um, he didn't get to see it, at least not physically. Um, but he was always kind of, that was, that was his thing. That was what he wanted to see. That was what inspired him. Um, and so you get this sense of pride when you're the first or when you're one of a few um, at, at the beginning. But then the issue is that you start realizing, oh, wow. I am the only one, you know, I am the only one in this, in this industry. I, I am with the one of a handful in this industry um, or on this project or in this company. And that be, and that you realize that's a problem, even though at the beginning you're like, Oh yeah, I made it because I am the one. But then you start realizing the fact that I am the one is actually an issue and it's actually a problem in and of itself. And then it gets back to that whole earlier conversation about the need for um, a mentorship to bring others along that come from your background that come from your story to not make your story unique we want to make our stories mundane and commonplace we want the fact that there are latinos making businesses that are multi-billion dollar businesses multi-million dollar businesses that are in science or in tech we, we want that to be boring that's really the 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 vision that's the ultimate goal of what we need to be doing to to make it so common that everyone is getting advanced degrees that everyone is building you know multi-million dollar businesses that's where we need to get to because if we don't then we're we're just stuck in this cycle of um of poverty and of lack of opportunity uh and that's that's the thing at the end you talked about yeah making sure that people deserve to be there talent is ubiquitous there's talent everywhere. We can find talent in, you know, in the mountains of Puerto Rico to the mountains of Mexico. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. The, the talent is there. Um, it's the access to opportunity, to equal opportunity that is not. And that's what we need to make sure um, that is done. We need to get, we need to create that equal access to opportunity. So at the beginning, yeah, you feel special and you're like, oh yeah, this is great. But then you realize no, this is actually a problem. It's a problem that I'm only one of a few. It's a problem that I am the only one. Um, and that's why we need to be working on on things to fix that. Uh, and there are systemic things that we need to fix. Um, and that's one of the ultimate goals of what I'm trying to do with a lot of my, my career now with my media uh, focus of trying to get more representation in media and try and tell more stories 
uh, about us and also changing the what that storyline is so that you know los latino and los puertorriqueños los dominicanos they don't have to be the people that are cleaning the houses in the background of the storyline they don't have to be the drug dealers or the person that's in jail um they can be the doctor they can be the protagonist they can be the hero that's a scientist um and because that is that is really important for kids and for us as adults we if we're constantly consuming media which is a media world right you're, we're creating a podcast we're creating more media we need to be telling those positive stories. We need to re be reinforcing ourselves, whether fictional or non-fictional, um, because that seeps into you uh, over time and you start framing your outlook of what your opportunities are, of who you are in this world, how you should be in this world. So we need to change that storyline for our community so they see the, the opportunities that are around in everything, whether it's in tech, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship in all aspects that uh, this life is to be lived and we should be able to do anything we want without hesitation, without reservation. Yeah, completely agree. You know, when I served in the military, there were a lot of firsts uh, that I was involved with. Um, you know, I, out of my class, my graduating class from meteorology and oceanography, uh, I was one of maybe two Latinos in the class Number one, there weren't that many Latinos in the meteorology and oceanography course in the Navy. Uh, la mayoría eran blanquito, um, you know, and there was a hand. I'm, I'm talking about a handful of, uh, of among many of either African-American, Hispanic or any other, you know, nationality. And um, I was one of that class that ended up serving 26 years and getting as high as I did. Um, you know, and, and there is a, a pride, you know, that comes with that. Um, I remember sending my story to, to Ponce, you know, they put it in the paper. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that uh, initially hits you, but then the realization is, man, you, you're like a, a dot in a sea, right. A Pacific ocean, and how does that play out? How does that uh, grow into something that's um, repeatable, right? Something that's repeatable and mundane and maybe boring later on. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about Latinx Business Success, uh, a great book uh, uh, co-authored with my friend uh, Frank uh, and Callie. Um, you know, tell us a little bit ar around, you know, why you guys ventured to do this project. Yeah, um, well, Frank and I have very similar outlook and very similar spirit of trying to uplift the Latino community um, and show that there are uh, amazing leaders and amazing mentors and amazing role models uh, that are from our community that are killing it in so many different industries and that should be uplifted and should be used as uh you know, examples for future generations and also examples for leaders in other industries that don't come from our background saying, oh, you know what, you're looking for a new executive in XYZ technology or an XYZ industry. Well, why don't you why don't you look over here? Why don't you look at all the Latinos that are doing an amazing job that are they're perhaps, you know, junior VPs or, um, you know, deputy deputy secretaries or assistant secretaries and in, in different uh, in government or whatnot. Like, there are people 
that come that are excellent in what they do that bring a level of excellence to uh their their industry uh their projects that are on par with any of their peers but the added benefit that they also bring is that they they have uh, a latino background that gives them uh, really a leg up because they are different than what's already there and that difference in mentality that difference in upbringing that difference in perspective will give your organization regardless of what it is an advantage a capitalistic advantage to be able to innovate and think differently because not only are they successful and meet all of the, the requirements from a technical perspective but then they have that added flavor uh, of coming from a very different background than everyone else that's already there. And once you sprinkle that in, that's going to bring out more innovation, more success, better GDP, better profits, better ROI than what you currently have. So it's important for us to be highlighting the people so that our peers, our peers that come from other backgrounds can see us and say, oh, okay, you know, I had never envisioned it because we're not in their circles we're not in their communities and that people are just sometimes they don't understand the the opportunities that there are in the latino community how uh how progressive we are how forward thinking we are uh how technologically advanced we are in so in so many fields whether it's cyber whether it's uh blockchain whether it's artificial intelligence uh whether it's geopolitics uh, we have the talent and there are people that are killing it at every level in every field, but we need to highlight them. We need to do a better job of telling those stories uh, so that we continue to uplift the entire community uh, amongst our peers, but then also to make sure that we are creating those role models for future generations to say, oh, that is something that I can do. That is a way for me to move up from where I am, or that is something that I can dream about doing. So it's a it's a twofold thing, and that's why um, I started at Astro Media, focused on uh, creating a production studio that has everyone uh, from diverse backgrounds from a creative perspective, and then we're telling diverse stories, uh, whether fictional or non-fictional. And uh, Frank is, has been working on pushing things through Estiempo and the 365 Latino Leaders and the Silicon Valley Latino Latino Leadership Summit. He's always been pushing this very uh, same perspective from, you know, from Silicon Valley and from a specific tech perspective. So we came together um, to say, hey, let's let's do this book together. Um, so we went out and we interviewed uh, leaders from all swaths of industries. Uh, and we talked to them about essentially, you know, what was it like, kind of like this very interview, what was it like growing up? What was it like getting into your industry? What were the obstacles that you faced once you got into your industry? How was it being some some of these people were the first or one of always usually one of few. Uh, so what was that like? What was the industry before? How has it changed, you know, for better and for worse? Um, and what does your particular industry need to do to keep elevating uh, Latinos into your industry and as a whole? Uh, you know, as a, a, uh, across the landscape, what do we need to do, uh, whether it's in media, whether it's in politics, whether it's in venture capital, um, whether it's in medicine, what do we need to do to continue to make sure and ensure that Latinos have representation and opportunities to be able to do whatever, you know, whatever industry or whatever job um, needs to be done, because we have the talent, we just need to be given the opportunity. Amazing. And, uh, you know, Frank is a, a, a great 
uh, innovator and, and doing great things over there in Silicon Valley. Uh, the Leadership Summit is coming up here in a couple of weeks, if not a yes. week from now, uh, uh, and, and so happy about that. Now, um, Jose, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, uh, you know, for whatever services you guys provide in the media side, or to get to t uh, chat with you or, you know, to purchase the book, which we'll make sure that the link to the book is part of the show notes and video. So you, uh, so folks can get it, but how would they do that? Absolutely. Um, so for Latinx business success, we're available. Uh, we're distributed through Wiley. So we're really available where any, anywhere where you get books, wherever your favorite bookstore is, uh, you can order us through there online, through any e-commerce, Walmart, Target, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, um, we're, we're on all of those, uh, to reach out to me, uh, personally, I would uh, recommend folks reach out to me either via, um, Instagram, uh, which is at Dr. Intergalactic on Instagram, um, or Twitter. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Morey one, so M O R M O R E Y the number one. Um, those are the two best ways through social media to reach out to me. Um, at Astro Media, we're full service production studio. We do everything from commercial work, live action, animation, uh, 2D, 3D design. Um, we can do even mobile games uh, that we've done for people in, in VR and AR. Uh, so we're a full service production uh, studio. So if anyone needs any production services whatsoever, um, you know, we're, we're happy to provide those. And our creatives come from diverse backgrounds. So we're, uh, we're minority-owned business, minority-owned supplier, and all our creatives come from minority backgrounds. And that's um, that's the way we've created the business and that's the way we're going to continue to, to grow the business. So wonderful. And folks, we're going to have all those links as part of the show notes and video. So you can get a hold of Dr. More. Uh, uh, doc, thank you so much for taking this time to be with me today. And, uh, you know, it's important to highlight, uh, all the things that we do personally. And you mentioned that there's a deficit there. Um, uh, Latin leaders need to do a better job in uh, getting themselves out and having their story uh, told and portrayed. Um, a great book, folks. I encourage you uh, to get your copy. If you haven't, um, I'll put that link as part of the show notes. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for being with us today and sharing this uh, topic of leadership and Latinx. Like it or not, folks, that that word is out there, right? And whether you like Latino, Latinx, Hispanic, however, however the flavor it is that you like, uh, just be proud of your heritage and uh, your upbringing, and hopefully you you can make that work for you. Um, but thanks again, uh, Doc, for being with me. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, folks, today, just a reminder, today's episode is sponsored by Triad Leadership Solution. If you've enjoyed this episode and learned something interesting about the topic covered today, make sure to subscribe and let us know by leaving a comment right now. And we're always looking for new ideas and guests that we can add to our show. So if you know someone or have a topic that you would like covered or featured uh, on the podcast, just let me know by uh, sending me an email at triadleadershipsolutions at gmail.com. You can also reach out if you'd like to sponsor the show. We love to hear about it. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode where we dissect leadership from another angle. And as we like to end the show, success to you. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Triad Leadership Solutions and on Twitter at TLS underscore FL. Thanks again. I'll see you next week and success to you.